Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. We are passionate about making known the beauty of Jesus. And where did we get that? Well, we got that from Jesus's great commission. He tells us something really powerful to do and how to spend our lives. In Matthew chapter 28, I just want to open with this scripture. It says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Today, I want to talk to you about what it means to share our faith, what it means to talk to people about Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to just honestly answer in your heart. I want to ask you, are you afraid of sharing your faith? Is it scary to talk to people about Jesus? Do you find yourself withholding from those opportunities? You know, I grew up in this church that was really, really charismatic. Okay, this is what that means. It means that there were people that were like coming up for worship in the front and they had flags and they were worshiping God. Was anybody go to a church with flag dancers? Okay, there's a few of you out here. It also meant that there were people that were like speaking in tongues everywhere and prophesying and I mean casting demons out of people. And this is the kind of church that I grew up in. When I was young, I was a little bit fearless and I would invite my friends to church. I would invite them to win. Wednesday nights, okay? But coming on Sunday mornings was a different deal. I was always terrified to invite my friends to come on Sunday morning to church because I was like, oh God, please on this Sunday, please don't let there be an exorcism of some kind. You know, I was like, please God. I mean, I want to follow your Holy Spirit, but not that far, okay? Because my friend is coming to church this morning and I didn't want them to be so freaked out that they wouldn't come to church again, right? And so we would invite our friends, my sister and I, we'd fill our minivan and invite them to church. And then I got older, and I think this happens to many of us. I got older, go to another church. Actually, I, I met Pastor Pradeepan at this church. Very similar sort of like charismatic feel. And um, we were so, so spiritual at this church. Okay, like we would wake up at 6 a.m. If you want to fall in love with a guy from church, get up at 6 a.m. and go pray with the whole team. We would pray our guts out at 6 a.m. And we were just so holy back then. And we would just pray, and we were asking God for revival. We were asking God for awakening. We were saying, God, bring your people to you. And we would pray these things, but we never actually shared the gospel with anybody. We weren't actually interacting with people who didn't know Jesus, who didn't have a Christian worldview. And this was a problem because this is actually not what Jesus wanted us to do. He wants us to go share the gospel, go and make disciples of all nations. But I think if we're really honest, we realize that as we're growing up, we are implementing different spiritual disciplines in our lives. We're reading our Bibles better and more. We are taking the Sabbath seriously. We're praying. We're just kind of uh, creating and cultivating these spiritual gifts. But for some reason, as we get older, the one, the one discipline that we always just sort of leave behind is sharing our faith. 
is going and making disciples of all nations. It can be scary. It's something that we kind of avoid. It's something that's really difficult, especially when we're out there by ourselves doing it. And I think if we're honest, it's because we're scared, because we're, we're fearful. What are, what are we scared of? Well, we're scared of rejection. We're scared of awkward conversations. We're scared that someone might ask us a question about Jesus or the Bible that we can't answer. We're scared. Uh, Some of us are just still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing right now, so you don't feel like you can go share with someone right now. We're scared. It's hard. We're intimidated sometimes to go share the gospel. And today I want to look at Jesus because he was the very best model and the very best example of what it means to share who Jesus is with people. And I want to look at a story in John chapter 4 that has really kind of rocked my world this week. I'm so excited to share it with you this morning. And we're going to look at this scripture a little bit differently than how I was taught to look at this scripture growing up. Because I believe that God has a fresh word and a fresh revelation for us this morning. Amen. And so I want to look at this. I want to tell you this story, but I'm also going to read some of the scriptures as a part of it. And it starts like this. Jesus is on his way from a city called Judea to a city called Galilee. And he's walking with his disciples. And Jesus says, hey, we're going to take the long way around. And the disciples, I'm sure, are pumped about this. Actually, they weren't because by the time they got to this destination, they decided we got to go for lunch. We're starving. Jesus, we'll see you later. So Jesus goes to, they're in Samaria. Jesus walks up to what's called uh, Jacob's well. And it's this well, which is like this giant hole in the ground where there's clean, fresh water at the bottom. And he walks up to this well, and there comes a woman who is there to get water for her family, I would think. And sure enough, um, she gets there, and she puts down her water jar. She's carried it. I don't know how far. She's carried it, this giant water jar. She puts it in the well. She gets it down there, fills it with water, and then she has to hoist this thing back up, put it over her shoulder, and probably walk home. And she does this probably every single day. And this is very physical, and this is really difficult. And if I'm honest, I think most of us, we aren't very um, familiar with what it's like to not have water just readily accessible to us, right? Like, how many of you grew up with running water in your houses, and it was just accessible for you? And so um, we're, we're kind of far removed from this. I was thinking about times when I've been in places where water is not very accessible. And I was in this refugee camp on the border of Thailand and Burma, and we're up there, and I remember being in this uh, camp, and there were all these bamboo huts and they were all really close together. And one day when I was there, I saw all these people, they were running in one direction. I was like, where are these people running? So I run after them because I wanted to see what was happening. And sure enough, one of these bamboo huts had caught on fire. And what's dangerous about this situation is all these uh, huts are really close together, so the fire will just spread. And it will just take out hundreds of huts and people. So these are people's homes, displaced people people who don't have any other home. And uh, the fire will just spread really quickly. And I see these people running with buckets in their hands. And I will never forget this sight. These people, this community came together. It's like they had done this before. And they, they formed two lines on each side. And the lines went from the river that was in the middle of this refugee camp all the way to the fire where the fires were spreading up in these couple of bamboo huts that were over here. And they, they, they formed these lines. And I kid you not, bucket bucket. 
by bucket, by bucket. They just go, they just pass it all the way down the line until this whole community puts out this fire with buckets of water because there was no 911. There was no like fire truck to call and put it out. And so I tell this story because I'm remembering, man, life is very different when you don't have water readily accessible. And so this woman has very physically every day come and had to draw water for her family from this well. And so Jesus, he sees her and he looks at her and he says, give me a glass of water. And this woman kind of looks at him like, are you, are you talking to me? Like, is this really happening? And he's like, can you give me some water? And what happened is this woman is just like, wait a minute. She responds to Jesus and she was like, I am a Samaritan woman and you are a Jew. Why are you talking to me? And the, the, the situation here is that this woman is a Samaritan, okay? And a Samaritan meant that they were, this group of people, the Samaritans, they were literally the bottom of the barrel of society. They were complete outcasts. And she was, they, they were what we would call a half-breed. They were half-Samaritan and they were half-Jewish. And they didn't just only worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the Jews who did, the Jewish people who did, they... Uh, they were told not to ever interact with the Samaritan people. And so this woman is like, I am a Samaritan woman. Now, I think we have to understand this, too. She didn't just say, I am a Samaritan, and you are a Jewish person. Why are you talking to me? She said, I am a Samaritan woman. If you are going to get lower than a Samaritan, you would be a woman. And she knew that she was nothing. She was seen as a nobody. She was a project. She was used, you know, she was just nobody. And Jesus is talking to her. And he says, will you give me a glass of water? And, and this woman is really, really shocked. So we're going to pick up in verse 10. And so she says, how can you be asking me for a drink? And in verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Instead, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and won't have to keep coming back to draw water. So Jesus tells her, you can have water that will never make you thirst again. And like most people in this situation, she goes, give me some of this water. I don't have to come back to this stupid well another day. You know, like she isn't quite understanding the kind of water that he's talking about, but she does want it. And then Jesus does something really, really interesting that feels a little bit weird. He says to her, he says, go, go and get your husband. And the woman in this moment, I would imagine, broke eye contact, put her head back down, went back into that place of shame and, and just being this outcast of a person. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I know, you've had five husbands. And the guy that you're living with now isn't your husband either. He says, what you have told me is the truth. You've told me the truth. And we have to sit here and we have to ask, why? Jesus offers her this water. She says, give it to me. And then he talks about five divorces. 
And the man that she's living with now, why? Jesus, are you trying to shame this woman? Are you trying to condemn her? Are you trying to humiliate her? Are you trying to embarrass her? Why in this moment was it important that Jesus brought up her past, her painful, painful past? Well, I believe the reason Jesus did that is because he cared more than anything in the world in that moment. He cared about this woman's spiritual thirst. Point number one today is people are spiritually thirsty. So here's what's happening. In the context of this scripture, again, this woman, we have to understand that women at the time, and especially Samaritan women, had no authority to make any decisions. And she probably had five different arranged marriages, and she probably had five different divorces, not of her own choice, because women were not given those choices. And so this woman is broken and and abused and used, And we have to understand that possibly, quite possibly, none of what's happened to her in terms of her marriages are her fault. But she's ashamed and she is struggling. So why did Jesus bring this up in this moment? Have you ever had a friend that's like a hard egg to crack? Okay? Like they just don't open up very easily. You know? And like I'm the kind of person that if you're nice to me, I will will spill my guts. Okay? Anybody else in here like that? Okay, thank you. Like two other people are like that. All of you are, the rest of you are all walled up, okay? Like this poor woman who's got a lot going on. She's all walled up. And so Jesus is, is just trying to, you know, open her heart a little bit. I remember uh, in college, there was this guy that I liked. And it was my senior year of college, junior year of college. And I uh, was sort of getting to know this guy, and we were, like, hanging out. And this guy asked me if I wanted to be his girlfriend. And I was like, okay, but, like, I don't know anything about you. And I started realizing, like, I have, I have told him everything. He had told me nothing. I was like, bro, I will think about being your girlfriend, but you got you to gotta open up a little bit. Anybody else been there with a friend or somebody, you know, like, I need to know a little bit more about you. And so he, he does. He decides to open up and he tells me this story about how he was born in a very poor nation in Africa. And he, when he was young, his, both of his parents died and he was orphaned and he was completely alone. And he like, had no food, he had no clothes, he had no shelter. I'll never forget him telling me what it was like to be a six-year-old who was starving. And this was, this was truly his reality and a part of his story. And so sure enough, he, he gets into this city and he sees a group of people worshiping Jesus. It's a Christian group that's there. And he goes, and these people invite him in. And the church does this really beautiful thing where they they give him a place to stay, they give him clothes, they love on him, and he gives his life to Jesus. It's a really beautiful moment in his life where he now has a family where he really didn't have a family. And sure enough, he gets old enough. He's about 16 years old. He gets old enough. He wants to go back and meet some of his relatives since his parents had died. And he goes back and he, he meets an uncle. And this uncle finds out that he has given his life to Jesus and tries to kill him twice because he did not want him to be a follower of Jesus. I am starting to begin 
begin understanding why this guy was not very open about his story. There was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of things going on here. And I'll, I'll never forget, he, he tells me about it, and sure enough, he goes back, and this church helps him get on his feet, and he ends up coming to America and comes to this university in Ohio, and he meets this little brown girl, me, and we just start hanging out, okay? And sure enough, we dated just for like a minute, and it wasn't quite the right fit. I always thought he was a great guy, but it wasn't a fit, so I, I ended it. Pretty been booing up here. And... Here's the deal. This guy actually wrote a book about his life years later. And when I started dating Pastor Pradeepin, I gave him this book. And Pradeepin goes, Pradeepin goes, did you just give me a book by your ex? Like, what a way to start a relationship, Amrita. You know, I'm like, I can see why this is a little bit weird, but it's a really good book. Like, you should read it. And so Jesus, Jesus, I believe is asking this woman about her past, about some of the most painful parts of her life because he wants to get into the darkest places of her life. Because when he was talking about this water and this living water, he wanted to make sure it reached her. She was a woman who was an outcast. She was a mess. She had been used and abused. And can you imagine if this Jewish guy walks up, can you imagine her like wanting to open up in that situation? Probably not. But Jesus wanted to get to the point, and they do. They have this little conversation about where to worship. Jesus said, we're going to all worship in spirit and in truth one day. But more importantly, Jesus wanted to get into her heart. He wanted her to be able to meet the living water that he was talking about. It is probably safe to say that no one had ever dug deeply into this woman's life and asked her about her pain. I'm going to say that again. It is probably her reality that no one had taken the time, no one thought her worthy enough to even ask her about her life and even ask her about her pain. Church, I want you to know that there are spiritually thirsty people all around us. There are people that are devastatingly hurting. There are people around you who are faking it, who are wearing masks like they're okay and they're not. And so Jesus wants to understand and get to the depths of her soul. And Jesus is asking us to be passionate and care deeply about people's spiritual thirst. Now, I want you to understand Jesus did, he did in fact talk to her about the sin that she was currently living in. But I want us to catch this. What Jesus didn't say, he didn't say, drink this water and it will cleanse you of your sin. He said, drink this water and you will never be thirsty again. And I love this because I believe that this is what Jesus is calling and asking us to do. Some of us, we need to really reevaluate the ways that Christians, some of us, are trying to share the gospel with people. This is what we're doing. Some of us are doing this, or we're seeing this happen in our world. We're getting online, and in all capital letters, we are typing things like, How could you vote for this person, you sinner? How could you stand behind this organization fighting against racism? This is not the Bible. This is what the Bible says. I got news for you. This is not sharing the gospel. We cannot just check off our evangelism duty by writing a mean post online. It's easier. It's easier because we get to hide behind the computer and the phone. But this is not God's heart. This is not what he did when he looked into the soul and the heart of this Samaritan woman. And so Jesus is asking us 
to love people. This A couple of weeks ago, uh, Bellevue Public School District actually canceled school because there was a teacher shortage. And, uh, you know, like Pradeepan and I, like parents all around, you know, we're like selfish because we're like, oh, our kids are home. Like, we got to work. What are we going to do with them? You know, and we didn't really fully understand the extent of the situation. Well, we find out that a lot of the teachers had uh, called out of work because there was a junior high student here in Bellevue who had committed suicide. And it impacted the community. And it impacted these teachers because these te teachers pour their heart and souls out for these children. And they needed a day off because they needed to process what was going on. People are spiritually thirsty. People need hope. People need Jesus. And we can't go around just yelling at them. Jesus, he talked to this woman about her pain and her five husbands before he talked to her about her current situation. Rich Villadas says this. I love it. He says, it's a curious strategy to hate the people you are trying to reach. I think we're seeing a lot of this. But we are called to care about people's spiritual thirst. We have got to have a greater concern for people's spiritual thirst than their politics. We have got to have a greater concern for people's spiritual thirst than our own self-preservation. We have got to have a greater concern for people's spiritual thirst than canceling them out because they're different from us. We have got to have a greater spiritual concern for, uh, a concern for people because God says none shall perish. This is God's heart. He wants us to care deeply about the spiritually thirsty people that are around us. And so Jesus and this Samaritan woman have this most beautiful interaction. And they have this conversation, and this woman begins to realize, oh, my gosh, like, this guy is telling me that I, I, I am matter and that I am valuable and that all the things that have happened to me don't define me. And she's having this true moment. And do you know the scripture even says that at some point Jesus tells her, I am the Messiah that you have been waiting for. And she is like, oh, my gosh, you're the Messiah? You're the one telling me that I matter and that, that I have a purpose on this earth? And Jesus, you have to understand, had not yet publicly gone out and said that he was the Messiah. You know who got to hear it first? One of the first people was this woman. This woman who really was an outcast in all of society. And Jesus thought of her. He went out of his way for her. So they have this beautiful moment together. And her response is something really beautiful. She cannot even stand there a second longer. She has to go tell everybody and so in verse 28, we pick up, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. You know, one of the things we have to understand is that when God calls us to go share our faith, go share the gospel, he often asks us to leave something behind. This woman left behind her water jar because, to be honest, she had to hoist that thing back up on her shoulder. It was going to slow her down. And if you know anything about women, if we are on a mission and we are in a hurry, just get out of the way. 
And so this woman does this. Pastor Pretty Fanoi says, Amrita, you walk so slow unless you are on a mission and you are in charge. And then all of a sudden, I am the fastest one in the mall or wherever it is that we're going. And this woman couldn't handle it. She was just like, I got to go tell everybody. Because you got to understand this, that Jesus didn't just walk around the long way to Galilee and stop in Samaria just for this woman. He came for an entire people that were outcast. And so this woman... She goes and she tells everybody about Jesus, but she has to leave her water jar. And we need to ask ourselves, what are the water jars that God is asking us to leave behind so that we would go tell people about Jesus? I'm going to tell you some of them. For some of us, we got to leave the water jar of pride behind. We got to leave the water jar of thinking we are always right behind. We've got to Leave our water jar of fear behind. we got to leave some of these things behind because they're getting in our way and we're overthinking and we're not reaching people for Jesus. we got to leave some things behind. You know, I understand. A lot of people have said to me, Amrita, it's really difficult in this particular area to tell people about Jesus and share the gospel because so many people have church hurt. So many people have walked away from church and walked away from God because they're terribly, terribly hurt. And I want to tell you this morning that, that it's legitimate. There are people maybe sitting in this room right now. You, you were a part of a church for 10, 20, 30 years, and the church just is not existent anymore. And that was hard for you. And you're figuring out who your community is and what that is. There are people who have been truly spiritually abused, spiritually manipulated. There are women that have been really oppressed in this city from being in church. And I want to tell you this morning that we can't leave these people behind. And if you're here this morning and that's you, I want you to know that I'm so thankful that you're giving God another chance. You're with a family of people who, who know and have experienced that before, but we can't leave these people behind. Do you know how much it would mean to somebody who's been church hurt? If as you're sharing the gospel with them and you're, and you're engaging with them again about Jesus... You know how much it would mean to them if you said, hey, on behalf of the church, I want to repent for what happened to you. I don't, I don't believe that that's what God meant for your story and for your life. And, and the church is still really imperfect, I'm going to tell you that. But can I invite you to be a part of a spiritual family? You know how much that would mean to someone? But I got to tell you what, you have to leave behind your jar before you can even have this conversation. And the jar that you're leaving behind is this. You have to leave behind your fear that you're only going to make it worse if you talk to this person about church again. I can't talk to this person about church. They've left Christianity. They've left church. They've left, they know the scriptures. They know, they've walked away. Hey, I want to encourage you, church. There are some of us that are here today because someone came to us in our church hurt and repented and invited us to be a part of something, and I'm so glad they did. I'm so glad they did. What is the water jar God is asking you to leave behind? For some of us, it's our job, it's money, it's our houses. I know people who have literally bought and sold their house because God wants them to leave behind some things and go share the gospel. I know some of you may know this story, but when Pastor Pradeepan and I got married in the first month of our marriage, I decided to quit my job. I, I do not recommend this for those of you that are married 
or newly married. And so this, this woman who was my former boss, she called me. She said, Amrita, I want you to come be on my team. I'm working in Cambodia, Thailand, and Burma. Uh, come work with me. She goes, but here's the deal. I can't pay you. And so I was like going like most newlywed brides. I go to my groom and I say, hey, honey, could I go work in one of the most dangerous areas of the world on the minefields of Cambodia um, and quit my job and not get paid for it? And also they don't have any life insurance to give me. And Raven's like, who did I just marry? You know, but we began to pray about it because we felt like God wanted us and for me to do this because we were aware that there were very spiritually thirsty people in the world. And so I did. But we had to leave behind some water jars. And you know what those were? We were pretty pumped to have two incomes for the very first time in our lives. When you get married, this is like one of the best parts, okay? So we were excited to have two incomes. And we're excited to have our financial goals met. Do you know that Jesus asked us to leave those behind for that first year, a couple of years of marriage? We were really, it was really difficult. I had to leave behind my pride because it was not easy to humble myself and ask people for money to support me in my work. I had to leave behind my dream of celebrating our first anniversary on the beach because I was so excited to celebrate our first one-year anniversary. We're going to go to the beach. It's going to be awesome. You know what we did instead? We went to a cheap motel in Saginaw, Michigan. Sometimes you have to leave behind your water jar to do what God is asking you to do. To do what God is asking you to do. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus tells us, throw off everything that's hindering you from sharing the gospel and reaching people with the love of Jesus. Now compare this to another moment in the New Testament when Jesus is talking to a young, rich guy who has a ton of money, and he's really curious, and he's like, Jesus, what, what must I do to be in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is like, well, hey, you're doing a great job not murdering and following all these other things, but this guy, he wanted more, and Jesus says, do you really want to know what it means to follow me? I'm going to ask you to sell everything, get rid of all of your wealth, and come follow me. Give all of that to the poor. For some of us, God is asking us, to do that, and it sounds scary, but I want you to know that God will provide. In our story, that first year of marriage, you know that God provided us enough money that we paid off my student loan debt that first year of marriage. He provided everything that we needed. We had enough food to eat. We had, we had enough. God was with us, and when you're obedient to Jesus, when you leave behind some stuff and throw off that which hinders you to go tell people about Jesus, you will never regret it. Because what God has for you is better than what you have for you. Than all of your money and all of your possessions and all of the things that you have. You have to trust and you have to believe that God has something better. God's claim is on every human life. And God offers a new kind of life to all who give up their stagnant water and come to him with the living water. This offer is absolute and can't be avoided with conversations about church, denomination, or religion. You know, last week, I think it's really interesting, last week Pastor Pradeepan preached about a woman who broke her alabaster jar to give everything to Jesus, everything she had that was valuable. And this week we're talking about another woman. There's a pattern here, isn't that awesome? You guys didn't get that. Women are awesome. That's what I'm saying here. Okay. There's another woman who uh, is, is leaving behind her water jar 
to go tell everybody about Jesus. Do you realize that this woman was one of the very first ev woman evangelists in the scripture? She was so passionate about what God just did for her. We have to remember that as the church, we are here for those who aren't yet. There are people all around us that God wants us to get in this room with us and in our communities with us. So the Samaritan woman goes and tells everyone she can find about what Jesus did. And she tells them her story. Verse 29, come see a man who to told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Number three, tell your story. We overcomplicate sharing the scriptures and sharing our faith with people. All you need to do is tell your story. You know what this woman did? Listen, listen. You think it's hard to tell uh, people the gospel right now? This woman walked back in to the very community that saw her as a complete low life. They used her and abused her. Women sneered at her. Normally, they would all go to get water together at the well. The women in this community, they wouldn't even go with this woman because she had a horrible reputation. Now, this Samaritan woman, she walks back into that community that has treated her that horrible, and she tells them everything that Jesus just did. You're not going to believe it. I went to the well this morning, and this Jewish man was there, and it's actually the Messiah, and I get to be the one who tells you that the Messiah is here, and he's saying two more days and he wants to meet with you he told me everything that I ever did and he wasn't mean and he wasn't condemning but he has living water for us the kind of water that we can spend eternity with Jesus she goes back and she tells her story and I want to encourage you to tell your story and I started asking myself this question why would the people have listened to this woman at this point and she walks back in there she was not a person that anybody made eye contact with or even thought to before. I believe the reason they listened to her this time was because the Spirit of God changed her life. This is what we have to realize. You are not responsible for the transformation that is supposed to happen in your friends' lives who don't know Jesus. You're not responsible for that. What we are responsible for is to tell people our story. You can trust that the Spirit of God will work in them like, they, like it did in the Samaritan woman's life. The Spirit of God will work. This woman, she walked back in, and she had confidence. Oh, man, her confidence didn't come from these people. Her confidence came from Jesus. She realized that she was valuable, and she walked back in there, and she wanted what happened to her to happen for someone else. And so she told her story. The good news poured forth from her soul, not from religion, a church, a mountain talk, a mountaintop dogma or doctrine, a preacher, a priest, a program or a committee, but from the testimony that comes from the one who risks letting her life be changed by the living water of Jesus. We need to tell our stories. Pastor Preven always says this, to share the gospel, all you need are three stories. Listen to their story, share your story, and point them to God's story. Every week here at Kalos Church, we share a story. Natalie Lerma came up here last week. There she is. She came up here last week, and I will never forget this testimony. She came up here, and she shared some of the darkest moments of her life. But she also shared some of the most profound Jesus moments of her life. Because God is still alive, and he is still working the way that we see in this story of the Samaritan woman. And here at Kalos, we're passionate about this. I hope we never stop. Oh, we never stop being passionate about reaching the lost. We want to leave a legacy. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. 
And so on your seats, there's a little piece of paper that is going to tell you more information about where our legacy offering is going. Because I want you to understand that we want the beauty of Jesus to be made known. And it's in our heart this year that we could hire a youth pastor at Kalos Church. How many of you are pumped about a youth pastor? Wouldn't that be awesome? So we're raising funds to hire a youth pastor. We're raising funds to be able to move into this new building that God has given us so that we can stay in this city. We're raising funds so that we can reach our community and support some of the local community outreaches here and also for our global missions. You're going to hear a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Pastor Pradeepan and I, we're, we're not asking you to give. What we're asking you is that if you would ask God how he would have you participate in this legacy offering and in this legacy series. So would you just pray and would you ask him? You know what's so cool? I think it's really interesting that when Jesus went to the woman at the well, he saw her and the first thing he did was ask her for something. I mean, normally when I see people, I'm like, how are you? But he went and he was like, can you give me a glass of water? And do you realize, though, that he asked that question because it was a setup? Because he wanted to get into her world? I want you to know that whatever God is asking you to give, whatever water jar he's asking you to leave behind, it's a setup so that he can do a wonderful work in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we trust you. We trust that you will give us everything that we need to tell our story, to reach people who are lost, to reach people who are spiritually thirsty. Jesus, you went the long way around for a whole city of people. And so, Lord, I pray that we too, we would go the long way around. We would be inconvenienced. We would do whatever it means to bring people into the kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would help us, even if it's just simply, hey, can I, can I tell you my story? Can I tell you God's story? Will you tell me your story? So, Lord, I pray an anointing and a blessing over every person in this room that we would be like the Samaritan woman. We would go and we would tell people about Jesus. Thank you, God, for your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.